Welcome back to the Jackets Online podcast. We return after a very long hiatus uh, during the very strange first season under Jeff Collins. And uh, today's a favorite day for pretty much everyone who follows recruiting. It's National Signing Day, and uh, it's been a wild one to say the least. Uh, joining me today to talk about it is uh, Russell Johnson, our recruiting writer at jacketsonline.com. And Russell, you've been busy as I have for the last oh really since the season ended probably uh weeks and um i'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are uh, after today's class got inked and kind of where things are right now for the jackets i would have to say that you know for the the clothes that they had today you know adding uh, katavian frank and jeff sims um, it, it was almost as strong as could be you know other than the myth on on jerry newton um but other than that I mean, you really filled a lot of need that, that were really gaping coming into the season. Uh, you know, the, the quarterback situation, adding two talented young quarterbacks who will be on campus this time next month and will be able to play in spring practice. Um, adding an early enrollee at receiver in Bryce Gowdy, who's going to have a chance to get reps and to learn the offense and, and to get, like I said, to get valuable reps. Um, and then on the offensive line, getting Michael Rankins to enroll early, um, beating off a couple SEC West schools, trying to get in on Jordan Williams late, and then getting him on campus next month also. I mean, really, all of the early enrollees really have a chance to make an impact. Um, And I think that's something that you don't normally see. Um, A lot of times when kids are enrolling early, it's more so because they're graduating early, not because they're graduating early and because they're coming in ready to play. Um, so that's something that I would really say is different. And, and like you said, we've really been busy on the site since the season ended. I mean, it, just, it seems like just because there's been no bowl game, everything went straight into recruiting as soon as the Georgia game was over. Yeah, it's pretty funny kind of how all of this unfolded. And there's been stuff that we had to sit on or hint at, like Jeffrey Sims, for example, like what kind of his story was and kind of how that was unfolding is Willie Taggart gets fired and then they go to Mark Norvell, Mike Norvell, who's bringing in his quarterback from Memphis and kind of how of all those pieces kind of unfolded and how that kind of worked out and in Tech's favor. And Jim Collins actually gave us a little bit of a shout out during his, his presser today, mentioning that, you know, that they did a good job keeping that under wraps and sometimes there are things that um, we don't necessarily push out there in a big way to kind of protect the kid um, and their situation. And that was certainly a, a situation where we had to kind of be very careful to, to keep the doors open just for us to talk to a guy like Jeff. And I think that, uh, you know, that's a really interesting pickup for them. You have him and Tucker now coming in, Tucker Gleason. You have two really talented quarterbacks to join James Graham and, um Jordan Yates and maybe Lucas Johnson, depending on kind of what he does, I'm still not 100% sold on the fact that he's coming back. So I'm kind of curious to see how that unfolds. I think that was a major area of need where they needed uh, competition and needed people to to make uh, you know everyone get better. And I think they really addressed that in this class. Both Sims and and uh, Tucker will be here for spring football, so that's a pretty huge deal to me. And then. I think the other thing that I kind of looked at and, and someone I spent time kind of with uh, watching his coaching was uh, the offensive line and Brent Key and 
kind of the rebuild of the offensive line because for whatever you want to say, that was the biggest difference in the scheme change, right, is what those guys were being asked to do, what they were recruited for. And that was the biggest area of um, transformation with the switch in offense. And they addressed it well. I mean, getting a guy like Jordan Williams, getting a big giant human being like Wayne Green or Rankins or Paul out from Texas or Ryan, the the kid from Mississippi, like they have some, some quality offensive linemen come in. They get Ryan Johnson, the transfer from Tennessee, who's a quality interior offensive lineman. So I think that, you know, they kind of have addressed those needs. You know, is there a guy that kind of sticks out to you when you look at that group? On the offensive line? Yeah. I I mean, I think that you touched on that a little bit, but just Wayne Green's massive size and just overall his potential. I mean, you see it a little bit when you put on the tape and you hear about it whenever you talk to to coaches who played against him, even the coaches that were, were coaching him. And uh, they're, they're really excited to kind of see, number one, how he fills out his frame, and number two, if he can continue to, to develop his footwork and his quickness and, and really just understanding the, the game. You know, the, 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 the 800-pound elephant in the room, or if you will, is uh, or gorilla, whatever that saying is, is, is the Gibbs kid, and, and he didn't sign today, and we weren't expecting him to. Those who subscribed to our site understand that that's going to be an interesting sort of subplot here as we go from this December signing period, which ends on Friday into a huge dead period that lasts three weeks, um, three full weeks. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with him and can they get him in the boat? He's, he is what we would term a great to have, not a need, but definitely moves the needle. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see what he decides to do here in these next couple of weeks. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that, um, I think you, you hit the nail on the head talking about the fact that he's, you know, he'd be really, really good and really, really nice if he did end up signing. But at the same time, you're not going to miss sleep over signing a running back when you have Jemias Griffin and, and the other running backs you already have on the roster. Um, but seeing what visits he actually takes compared to the ones that get talked about and reported, um, that's something that, that's going to be really interesting to, to kind of follow. And uh, our subscribers, I mean, they're going to be get the up-to-the-minute information. So I think that'll be good. Um, but like I said, you know, seeing where he actually goes, because, you know, you heard about Alabama, you heard about Florida, you hear about Ohio State, you hear about all these schools, but then you never see like a, an actual date finalized other than the fact that, his final official will be to Georgia Tech the weekend before signing day. Yeah, you know, and that's where things will get interesting here in the second period. There's going to be some transfers in play. There'll be some big names. There's still guys on the board like Jason Jones who didn't sign today um, that could end up, you know, possibly falling into Georgia Tech's lap. The guy they've really spent a lot of time recruiting in terms of a defensive lineman. They could also play offensive line, kind of a versatile piece. That's something that Jeff Collins has kind of talked about is position flexibility being something that you look at when you get into these final three, four pieces that they're going to try to add here in the second period. And then also the possibility of, you know, a defensive tackle here or there. You had a story uh, story up today about a possibility transfer. We won't get into that on here, but, you know, there, there's just a lot of kind of moving pieces. And that's the one thing that's kind of impressive about what Jeff Collins and his staff do is they – 
they're casting a wide net and working a lot of different angles. And a guy like Emmanuel Johnson kind of represents that really well, right? Because he was a guy they had in camp. They liked, they kind of kept under wraps. And when things worked out in a way where they could take him, they went on him, right? And, you know, Jared Ivey was a guy that they spent a lot of time recruiting and it took a long time for him to come to his decision. And those things pay off. Like you, persistence and staying in the game and and remaining um, involved with kids, it makes a huge difference. And I think the relationship piece is also something that stands out. I mean, that's how they got, you know, Miles Sims or uh, Antonius Clayton were from prior relationships the staff had. So I, it's been really interesting to kind of see this whole thing evolve. And for a team coming off three wins to be in the top 25 is, in recruiting is incredibly impressive, especially when there hasn't been another coaching change. It's not like this is Texas and they won three games and it's still Texas. This is Georgia Tech where they don't sign – or haven't historically signed top 25 classes and you have a chance to, if, you know, assuming he can finish the pieces here to stay in that top 25, I think it would be a heck of a big move for the first full signing class under Jeff Collins, don't you? Oh yeah, I, I think so for sure. And I think that it, it also kind of gives fans a possible glimpse into what the class of 2021 and, and beyond could look like if the product on the field begins to match the product on paper with the recruits. Yeah, and that's, you know, the next level of progression. I ta- had an opportunity to talk to Jeff Collins on Monday uh, for a long-form interview that I put up free uh, for people to read, and it's still on Jackets Online if you want to check it out if you haven't had the chance. One of the things he mentioned, and it, it's kind of a, a slight comment, but it was everything the man does is intentional. It was, you know, this is the one time that I'm going to have Christmas off. He was talking about how he expects to be in a bowl game next year, and that's the, his expectation, right? And that's what you want to hear. Like, they, they're ratcheting things up as they get their players in and get their system down and get comfortable and start to have the pieces they didn't have. This year they lack depth at linebacker. They addressed that in this class by getting Franks and, and Tyson both from the same high school. You know, they needed some depth at wide receiver. He went out and got Bryce Gowdy, Avery Boyd, and then got a slot where they had really no depth other than Marion Brown and Klein Norris, and you pick up Nate McCollum there. So they're kind of getting the pieces here. They got some long defensive end type bodies with Kennard and Kaya Wright and um, Ivy, who we mentioned already. So I think you're starting to sort of see, A, what they're recruiting towards, and B, kind of the the expectation of what this program's going to look like just from a physical standpoint, uh, you know, Having a six foot five offensive tackle commit and another one that's, you know, what was, uh, you know, Jordan's six six or whatever he is like. And then Wayne Green is six foot seven, six eight. So, you know, you're starting to see those body types start to match up a little bit more. And hopefully all of that translates to on the field performance because that's the kind of next big thing that we've got to see here. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, continuing to see what the offense is actually going to look like and not just a combination of what they have a under what the the players on the field currently have an understanding of compared to what the offensive coordinator actually wants to do. And then kind of the same thing defensively, you know, they, they wanted to rotate players and rotate players and rotate players. But as the season progressed and injuries started to pile up, they started having to put in some players that may have not normally played. And, and this time next year when they're, they may be forced to do that. 
they'll have players who are able to play up to that ability and they'll be ready when their chance comes. Yeah, and getting that depth and getting, you know, guys from all over the map. And, and then something else that kind of stands out, too, when you look at this class is how heavily, uh, how heavy Georgia is. And it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve guys from Georgia. That's pretty good. Like, you know, half of your commits plus Gibbs, who hasn't signed yet, that's, I think that's put, put him at 13. That's, that's, you know, impressive. The thing with Georgia Tech is you have to find your niche here in Atlanta, work your way outward, and then hit hard in the areas that, where you have success. Jacksonville's an area where Georgia Tech traditionally had success. Guess what? They got two four-star guys from that area, and Jeff Sims and Miles Brooks, like one of whom is, you know, on the borderline of almost being, you know, a five-star guy. So, you know, that sort of shows that Tallahassee's been an area that's always been good. They get Avery Boyd out of there. You know, you start to work your way around some different areas, even getting Bryce Gowdy, who's, you know, also on that I-95 corridor, uh, who's a four-star guy. So it's good to kind of see what the recruiting plan is here. You know, they also touch in Mississippi, South Carolina, and Texas. Texas is an area where Georgia Tech has not recruited really since Chan Gailey left. And that's an area, I think, where the brand sells well. And it'll be interesting to see. We've seen Tushar Choice and Larry Knight both kind of recruit that area and try to start to get some momentum going there. They actually had a couple of kids they probably turned down, uh, you know, I would say. And from that area, the class kind of got filled up. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I I know exactly who who you're referring to in terms of them uh, turning a couple of kids from from Texas down. Um, I I think they both play the the same forgotten position in the old Georgia Tech offense. But, um, yeah, like you said, I think, you know, continue to expand the brand and to, like, you get into Tennessee a little bit possibly. I know Knight's got really good relationships in the the state of Tennessee and around Nashville and, and Brentwood. You know, adding the the grad transfer never hurts to have a presence in in Nashville. It never hurts to have a presence in Florida, like you were saying. Um, They had a commit from the state of Alabama at one point. Didn't end up working out with Eddie Watkins. But, but, you know, like you said, continuing to to grow and to to show, but still having that home base of the Atlanta area. And the Atlanta area, both in the remainder of this class, 2020 and then next class that that's what's going to be really really important you know it starts with Jameer Gibbs but there's also Javier Morton who didn't sign and there and there's others recruits in the area that decided not to sign in this period well I mean they still could sign between now and Friday but they currently have no intentions to do so yeah and it means they got six kids that I would term as ATL kids like Atlanta kids that are from either the suburbs or you know pretty you know short distance from Atlanta. And I think that number is going to go up as they kind of get more settled into this area and get their recruiting down a little bit better. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this plays out and where you should see the next real leap up in recruiting is in the 2021 cycle where they've had time to form longer standing bonds and have had those kids on campus a lot over the summer. And I think that's where you could see that's the next big leap, right? You got to get there in that top 25, top 30 range right now. It's bumping into that top 20 to top 15 that makes a huge difference, right? That's the difference 
between, you know, winning the Coastal and not winning the Coastal, those couple of guys. And it's always kind of been that way. Even when Georgia Tech had good seasons with Paul Johnson, there were – his term was one through eight players, right? Guys who are NFL, like, you know, NFL draft pick ready guys. And Jeff's strategy is to have a team where there are a lot of those guys and you have them every year. And that's going to be interesting to see how he implements that, how that goes down, how successful that is. And that's going to be the thing that defines his his time as Georgia Tech's head coach, right? But what we are seeing in terms of the short term is the sales job is working. I mean, they had nothing to sell this year. They won three games. They looked terrible in several of the losses. You know, it, it was the team played hard every game. That was like the best thing you could say about them, right? And they had like one upset win against Miami. But in reality, they were able to sell the vision of the program because people saw how they were practicing. Kids came by. They saw how bought in everyone is into what they're doing. And that's the great equalizer. It can equalize when you're not having success for a year or two when you can do things in a major way um, in terms of recruiting. And, and that's where he's got to really kick it up. And I think we've seen that so far from the staff. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would com- completely agree with that. You know, um, like like Collins was saying in his, his presser today, just talking about how bought in everybody is and how, you know, you don't see, like, they all have the same vision. You know, they're not – they don't have individual – mindsets and agendas and, and things they want to get done they're all trying to achieve the same goal which is playing in the ACC championship eventually and you know being able to figure out what it takes to achieve that is, is what the next step is um, but then you know the other real you called it an elephant in the room earlier um, is, is what's going to end up happening in terms of you know the roster turnover um, because between now and probably the next time we do a podcast, which I'm guessing will be either before, either right before or right after the February signing period, there's, there's going to be some turnover. Well, and, you know, that's typical. Like, regardless of Jeff Collins or Paul Johnson or Chan Gailey or whatever, if anyone were coaching in this era, the transfer portal has changed a lot of dynamics in recruiting. And kids who do not figure into the the, the future of – your program or not seeing that playing time or progression or the fit, those guys are going to choose to be it's a little bit different at Georgia Tech just because of the academic piece and what a draw that is. But nevertheless, you're going to start to see some movement, and it'll be interesting to see what and who those guys are because, quite frankly, you know, it's probably going to be like seven to ten guys, like, and which one of those guys leave and where they go and, you know, all of that and how that impacts things and what the competition looks like at positions. And I think that's the one nice thing about having nine guys come in and you had a small senior class, they're going to have a lot of dudes for spring football. Like there are guys who are out that probably will miss spring football just from various injuries, but they're going to have some real depth probably for the first time in a long time for spring football, which has always kind of been a tougher time at Georgia Tech just because of the numbers and the bodies. So I, I think that's something to be really kind of excited to follow over the next couple of months. And, and the thing is, like, all these are great kids, right? I, we know all of them. Um, so it's not like a thing where you're pulling for someone to leave to open up a spot. It's you want someone to find their opportunity, whatever that is. If it's 
if they're not playing and they're not going to play here and they want to play college football, you should want them to go somewhere where they're going to have that opportunity, right? You know, like there's a ceiling on anything, whether it's a job or anything in your life, and you want to push yourself to be as good as you can be and reach that highest point. And every athlete certainly has that in mind, and that's something that, that people really need to keep in mind in all of this. Is these are people, and they have emotions and all this, and it's a tough decision for a lot of them to, to walk away from something like that. So I think that people need to be, uh, you know, cognizant of that when they when they start to react to the kit departures, whatever they are, as they're announced by the kids. And the way we're approaching it, at least on our side, is that we will let the kids break the news of them departing versus um, trying to put something out there. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, a, a really good example of what you're talking about in terms of, you know, being excited for a kid who who, who may end up maybe going closer to home, like Nazir Burnett did, you know, the, the two-star receiver that signed out of high school last year was, I think he played in two games, entered the transfer portal, and then signed with Temple today. And, and that, that's just a, a great example of kind of what you're talking about in terms of these kids recognizing certain things, maybe being homesick, maybe another factor going in. But, but like, you know, we've done in terms of, you know, since I, I joined the site, um, is that we have always been, like, on the side of holding off on reporting on things. Number one, to let these kids, whether they're student-athletes or prospective student-athletes, to have their moment in the sun and to announce what their intentions are. And and second, to not get in the way of leaking something that could potentially harm the kid, could potentially harm the schools recruiting him, or, or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that – People are always like, well, what's the deal? You know, like everyone's all over us about, um, you know, Jeff Sims as that thing was unfolding. And my whole thing there was, look, let's let his decision play out, right? You know, like we're not – I was like, we may or may not know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, we sat on the Catavian Frank stuff, you know, for a week or whatever it was, like – because that's what he, yeah, I mean, it, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of these, a lot of times there's things like that. Just, it has to be done like for the benefit of the kid and their moment in the sun. And I'm very, I've always been very careful of that and trying not to kind of ruin somebody's special moment. And I think that uh, the, the staff and coach Collins and them have done a nice job of kind of creating buzz, being able to manage, um, their message right and what they want out there and, and to keep excitement happening keep something cool like getting um a jeff sims on the signing day like having those kind of special moments and every staff does it paul johnson is the same thing too like they all like to have these signing day surprises they like to throw some people who don't follow it as closely off the bread trail a little bit like breadcrumb trail like it's just a fun kind of way to, to handle recruiting and i think It'll be really interesting going forward because this next cycle, as we look at 2021 coming ahead, is where you get into they're going to be a lot more specific. Like we need two linebackers and two defensive ends and two defense. This this cycle, even this one in, in for 2020, was we're trying to get better on the lines of scrimmage and get some skill guys that can help us at specific spots. And so there was, I think, a little more of an effort to just – they do need a lot of numbers and 
it's probably not going to be that way with the 21 class. The 21 class is probably going to be a much more refined um, signing class. So it'll be interesting to kind of track that as as all of that starts to unfold as well. Oh, yeah. You know, with, with one signing period down, we've got one, one more signing period for 2020, and then it's off to camp season. Yeah, and that'll be a fun time for us because we have both the rivals camps, which will come up starting at the end of February, all the way through May, <laughs> and yep. then literal um, direct spring football whenever that starts, probably at the end of March, has been typical, um, like the after spring break. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens over the, the coming months, and um, I think everyone's pretty excited. This is, given how things went and even the terrible way the season ended with the, the game in, in Atlanta, uh, it's been amazing to see kind of how people have bounced back and the excitement's back. And I think that, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people really interested in what's going on here. Uh, I was talking to someone earlier today. I looked at some of the competing site, uh, sites in our network, like UGA or Clemson or Florida State, and they all have, like, things – they're all talking about Jeff Collins and his recruiting, and that's something that's very unique and certainly has not been something that's been the case – um, since I've been doing this uh, since 2009. So it's really interesting to see kind of the needles getting moved and people are starting to pay attention. And I'm, I'm curious what is going to go down as uh, the the rest of this signing class gets done and then they start to play football again and try to make that next leap up. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that wraps it up for us. We're going to jump out of here. We just wanted to give you a little uh, signing day surprise, uh, Jackets Online podcast. We're Russell Johnson. I'm Kelly Quinlan, and you've been listening to the Jackets Online podcast. Thank you.